Apologetics may not seem like a basic of the faith to you. Maybe it just seems like one big, scary, super intellectual argument. But I really love what Jeremy says in today's episode when he reminds us of 1 Peter 3.15, that apologetics is simply giving an answer or a reason for the hope that you have. It is really just asking ourselves, why do I believe the things that I believe? I believe that this is something that we should have at least a basic understanding of. And so I cannot wait for you to hear this episode. Here we go. Welcome to the Faith School Podcast. This podcast is for women of faith who are ready to be transformed from the inside out to integrate their life and faith and to begin a life on mission. This practical podcast is not just a list of how-tos, but it's here to prompt you to take action and adopt the kingdom way of life, surrender to a holy God. My name is Leah and I'm joining you in the messy middle of a surrendered faith. Come on in, take a seat, class is now in session. To those of you who are new to the podcast, welcome. And to my old faithfuls, welcome back. Again, I just want to put a few reminders out here. One is that this is our last guest interview for our Back to Basics series. I'm so sad because this has been such an amazing project to work on. I love this series so, so much. And all of these episodes have been just so encouraging and so amazing. So if you haven't listened to any of the other Back to Basics episodes, I highly encourage you to go back and try to find one that really speaks to you. I'm just so glad that you're catching this one because this is one of my favorites. Next week, we are going to have a little, of a little bit of a short recap and some more updates for you. So Make sure that you follow along on your favorite podcast player so that you don't miss that little recap. I think you're really gonna enjoy it. But if you want even more updates, make sure that you join our newsletter. I send out updates on what we're doing around here at Faith School, and I try to share some quick tips and also one of my personal favorites, our Faith Fun and Find newsletter. This is really a great little email, and I promise you it's not spammy. It's just there to encourage you. All right, let's head into the episode with our guest, Jeremy Jenkins. Welcome, Jeremy, to Faith School. I'm just, I'm honored that you're here. I'm excited about what we're going to be talking about. And so I just want to get right into it. I want you to tell us what are some of your roles right now and where are you recording from? Yeah, Leah, thank you so much for having me. I am so much more often in on your side of this that I'm almost a little bit I don't even know how to answer people's questions, but um, <laughs> so what are some of my roles and where am I recording? So I'm recording at uh, All Things All People office and studio, which is um, actually the property of the church that I also am a pastor at in uh, Forest City, North Carolina. Um, we're a small town and I pastor one of the lead pastors. We have three lead pastors. So uh, uh, one of the lead pastors of a small church here. And so as far as my roles go, I wear a lot of hats. Um, I, mm-hmm. like I said, I'm one of the lead pastors. I oversee missions and education. And um, so I, I'm teaching a lot at the, con- like, so like almost every week and I'm teaching in the context of my church, either, you mm-hmm. know, from stage or in a, in like a Sunday school setting, as well as that. Yeah. I am the executive director of all things, all people. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's also, you know, we, we have a couple podcasts, the all things, all people podcast. Uh, base camp and then we do a lot with social media and trying to write more and produce more mm. video 
as well as that, I am a college professor. I teach world religions at a, a university near me called Gardner Webb University. I'm an mm -hmm. adjunct, so I'm just I just do that part time. Mm -hmm. um, and I am a husband to Courtney and a father to Luke and Savannah, eight and three. And I'm, I'm sure I, I'm other things, but I think that'll do for now. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well. I am really excited to have you here to talk about world religions and kind of that interest that you have. I love that you brought up that you're a professor as well. So I would mm -hmm. love to know, just so we can set the stage for everybody, where did your fascination with world religions really mm -hmm. begin? So I trace it back. So I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago in a city called Wheaton, which is mm -hmm. somewhat well known to having Wheaton College and um, right. which is where like a lot of like a lot of Christians, it's kind of like the Christian Harvard. And um mm -hmm. And so I grew up there and it's like predominantly Christian and I, and I live in the Bible Belt now, but I like to tell people it's sort of like if you took a piece of the Bible Belt and put it in the north, I grew up around churches mm -hmm. and around Christians and Christianity, but I, I was not a Christian until my freshman year of high school. Um, mm -hmm. But what the, the beauty of living in like a big metropolitan area and probably the only thing that I, I miss about it, like growing up, it was just normal for me to be around other cultures, um, other ethnicities other types of food. Mm. It was sort of normal for me to be uncomfortable, yeah. you know? And so like I, my dad worked in the city, like in, in downtown Chicago, he drove a truck. And so I was very often in neighborhoods and in restaurants and in settings where like, I didn't, I didn't understand the language or like didn't understand the culture. And mm -hmm. so that lent itself to maybe like a little bit of an open mind. Um, mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. to be honest, what's somewhat surprising for a lot of people is so I left Wheaton. I went to, I did my undergraduate at Liberty University in Virginia. And um, really from the time I went to Liberty until a couple of years into my life as a pastor, I really didn't care much about world religions or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I don't know how they get away with this, but my Bible degree, and actually my degree was religion um, with a focus of biblical studies. I, and I think this is probably true for most religion degrees at evangelical schools, but there were no classes on world religions or anything's necessary for it. Really? And yeah. And so, so I, I, I escaped undergraduate studies, you know, without any exposure to, I'd never traveled overseas. Mm -hmm. And so I started pastoring and as is often the case, you know, I started as youth pastor and um, I started as like a really underpaid one. And mm -hmm. so so my full-time job was actually at a school where I, um, I did like IT work. And one of my assistants was a student assistant was a young guy who had grown up in India and he, he had emigrated here and uh, his family was here in, in kind of like classic stereotypical Indian situation. His dad owned convenience stores and, mm -hmm. and you know, he was, a, he was a really fun kid and, and we got along and it became evident to me somewhat early on in our friendship, like that he wasn't Christian and yeah. he was Hindu and, um, and he was fairly nominal Hindu, but it was like, I don't, I don't like not knowing things. And I don't mm -hmm. like feeling like I'm the dumber person in a situation. And when you're talking to a Hindu about Hinduism and you know, absolutely nothing about it, you're the dumber person in that situation. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> the long story short, at least this part is, is I really started to get interested in learning about him Mm -hmm. learning about Hinduism and, and Hindu culture, which is Hindu culture is Indian culture. And, mm -hmm. and so through that really developed a fascination with Hinduism. And that really blossomed at first into just really starting to soak in, like, really like, okay, so what do Muslims believe? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. You know, what, what do Catholics, like, what's the difference between Protestants and Catholics and all these questions that like, I think most Christians, especially evangelical Christians have, but like, they don't know even 
how to formulate, let alone the answer. They don't even really know how to ask the question. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of what started it. And that was, I don't even know how many years ago, that was probably like eight or nine years ago. Mm -hmm. And so since then it's really, you know, you listen to, you know, when I introduce myself, like it's pretty much no matter what hat I'm wearing, it's a big part of what I do now. And it's kind of become like a large aspect of the fabric of my life. So yeah, Mm -hmm. that's, that's how I got here. Oh, I love that. I think I can kind of relate to that in that I grew up in a very white Mm -hmm. conservative part of my province. And when I moved to Edmonton, I'm now in the part of Edmonton that is the most diverse. I think Mm -hmm. one of the two, probably the top two most diverse parts of the city. And so then you start meeting people who are of different backgrounds and it's just, I mean, it's, it's beautiful and it's fun to kind of Mm -hmm. just, you know, pick their brain a little bit on, on what they believe and, um, and kind of just some of that does start with relationships. So I feel like I can, I can relate to that for sure. Absolutely. So you said that you became a believer when you were in a freshman Mm -hmm. in, in high school. Yeah. So why did, why Jesus then? Why was it at that point that you were like, he's going to be the one that I want to follow? Yeah. So what's funny is as I think some people, when they hear kind of like my bio and things like that, they, they probably assume like the love of world religion and cultures and like came first and that it's like sort of like right. a Josh McDowell, Lee Strobel thing, thing that like <laughs> yeah. in the exploration of world religions, I picked Christianity and that's really not the case at all. But I mean, that has happened over and over again mm-hmm. in the study of world religions. But I'll be honest, I tell people all the time, and this is a big part of why I value student ministry so much, even though I'm out of it now is um, growing up in Wheaton, like just, I mean, people don't realize it's like, I think it's, we had the most churches per square mile of any city uh-huh. in in the country. And so like, I grew up thinking I was a Christian just because everybody I knew was a Christian. Like, I, yeah. I think if I, if I could look into my heart and mind when I was eight or nine years old, I thought being white and like middle-class kind of just by default made me Christian because mm-hmm. like, that's just how we all lived our lives. And, um, some friends of mine, we kind of ran in a group of four and they all went to the same church and, and I just didn't. And I think they got kind of like, like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And so mm-hmm. they invited me to like one of those nights where it was like, bring a friend, whatever grade brings the most friends gets pizza or something like that. And, <laughs> and that was me. And, um, and then it kind of took, because I made really good friends with the youth group, but mm-hmm. you know, with a looking back now, what I could have never said back then that I didn't have the maturity or the the presence of mind to realize was the youth pastors is it it a, a husband and a wife, very young. Um, mm-hmm. they, they couldn't have been older than their early twenties at the time. Um, and I, and I'm still in touch with them now, but like mm. experiencing something with them and the people there that I had never really experienced because it was just like, man, like they really, really, really have an interest in me. Yeah. And you don't get that from teachers. You don't get that from just like acquaintances at school or mm-hmm. sports teams, or at least I didn't, some people do. And so like the community was attractive, but then the more and more that I heard the gospel, yeah. it made sense to me to like, Hey, I want that. It wasn't the most mature profession of faith by any means. And uh, I pastor in a very, very much evangelical setting now Mm -hmm. where the emphasis is on, you know, you have a spiritual birthday, you make a profession, you say, I'm Mm -hmm. today I'm saved yesterday. I wasn't. And that wasn't my experience at all. It was very Mm -hmm. much a progression. And it kind of like, I turned around and looked at everything God had been doing in my life and went, Oh, 
yeah, I guess I am a follower of Jesus, you know? So yeah. not that it happened by osmosis, but it, it wasn't like an aisle situation. It wasn't like a raise my hand situation either. Yeah. You know, I think the thing that people want to hear in my story that isn't there has happened though, over the course of the last 10 years is like, I routinely, I mean, constantly studying other religions mm-hmm. and then thereby studying my own. And I'm constantly reaffirmed. Like I've not have not had my faith called into question once mm. in these, in this sort of adventure of like what we do with base camp and all things, all people and teaching at mm-hmm. the university level. Like some people say, aren't you worried? You're going to kind of question your faith. And I'm, I'm just a big believer. in it's like truth always wins out mm-hmm. for me. It's just, if my life and my sanctification is like a stock, it's just very, very slowly going up. Um, yeah, yeah. and I, 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 sometimes I'm envious of my friends that have like these really huge salvation stories and I can't even remember the moment of my salvation, but I know that it happened. <laughs> and so, so yeah. 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 I I actually love that you said that because I had a guest on here who's a personal friend of mine who works with, um, actually with immigrants and, and helps them learn English. And they're just an amazing couple who have brought Mm -hmm. so many people to the Lord. But what she said was, it's a journey. People journey towards Jesus. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily like turning on a dime, like we hope Mm -hmm. that it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's a journey into faith. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it is. I mean, for some people, of course, you know, it is a turn yeah. on the dime and it's, and it's For pretty sure. evident. I think sometimes though, when we make it out, like it has to be that is that, you know, when the Hillsong music's playing and, yeah. and, and you're at the altar and you feel like your life has turned on a dime yeah, is you're like, this, this is it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm done sinning. I'm done mm-hmm. with everything. And then like you go home, your same family's still there. Your same friends are still there. You go yeah. to work, your same coworkers are still there and you begin to get disheartened probably even question what God has done in your life because yeah. there isn't that radical turning on a dime. Mm-hmm. And so I think I identify as evangelical, like very proudly. And it's just like, mm-hmm. I don't like what the word has become, but I do think that's a great disservice that the evangelical movement has done is that mm-hmm. we've made it seem like your sanctification has to turn on a dime too. And I'm just like, I think even God thinks that's foolish. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's just not a healthy expectation. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the kid in youth group that was like, I didn't do drugs. I didn't drink. Yeah. I didn't get in trouble a lot. So my story is really boring, but I think sometimes the most interesting part of my story is like, I just stood up one day and I was like, I've been a follower of Christ for quite a while. And, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, so it's kind of a radical transformation in its own way. Yeah, totally. Totally. Well, I want to hop in here to apologetics, to kind of talking about world religions yeah. um, and our back to basics question. Cause this is our back to basics series yeah. um, is what is apologetics? If you could just give us mm-hmm. that short yeah. definition, what would it be? Yeah. Well, I suppose that it depends who you ask, you know, but apologetics most basically is giving an answer. It's just giving an answer to the questions that Christians might have, and it can take on the form of defending the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, but more more than that, it's it's much more often answering the questions and 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 Peter describes it probably best when he says, you know, lovingly and gently, yeah. um, giving a reason for the hope that you have. Yeah. And so while in modern times it's sort of turned into, you know, debating, it's much more often is the case that it's just answering questions. Yeah. Sometimes it's debating. Sometimes it can be quite tenacious and, and whatnot. Usually that's not the case for me. Yeah. Um, but some people are especially gifted at that. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad that you answered it that way, actually, because I I think that's people do have an idea that, well, I can't engage in apologetics because I'm not, I don't debate. Mm-hmm. You know, but really it is, it's just having an answer for why you believe the things that you believe. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love this quote that I, I found on your website. Um, I, I truly believe Jesus is the most amazing thing the world has ever seen, but that you won't truly know that unless you know what the world believes. And I just, I love that because I believe in that so much. So yeah. It just expand on that. Why mm-hmm. should we care about learning about other world religions? Why does it really yeah. matter to us as believers? So when I first started saying that in the idea that like, I think Jesus is the most amazing thing the world has ever seen because here in the United States and I know in Canada and mm-hmm. in much of what we would just call the West, like yeah. we are saturated with a Judeo-Christian mindset that has really formed quite a bit of like our civic structure, mm-hmm. um, our morality. Um, and, and we're certainly like blessed and privileged to live in a society where that's kind of the fabric of what we do and say and think. But the problem with that is that it, it has made the source of that morality and the source of that structure and the source of that fabric to become commonplace. And so like, we really take Jesus for granted a lot in our society. And mm-hmm. so So when I kind of started first, like putting that into words and particularly in that way, it was kind of a reflection for me personally, because what I found to be the case is like when I would study Islam, when I would study Hinduism, when I would study cults, when I would study, you know, whatever is I would come away from that and routinely look back at my own faith and very much just kind of find myself being like, wow, like, Mm -hmm. I'm glad I'm glad I don't live in that system. Like, I'm glad that I, that's not what I believe. And and ultimately even more so is it's not as simple as that, because like, even that language sort of makes it seem like belief is just an all you can eat buffet, which I choose what I believe, but Mm. really it's like, I'm glad that's not the truth. Mm -hmm. And so in the true person of Christ, it was like, Jesus Christ is the most amazing thing the world has ever seen, but you really can't know that. Like you, you can't have the fullest extent of that knowledge if you can't compare it to anything else. Yeah, that's And right. so it's not that everybody has to study world religions, but it's just like, I feel like many Western Christians sort of cover their ears, cover their eyes when it comes to what they deem to be false belief, which certainly might be the case. But, mm-hmm. um, but the problem with that is like, we close ourselves off to the world so much that we never actually learn what makes our faith unique. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't say Christianity in Jesus is unique if you can't compare it to something else, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's kind of the source of that, um, at least where that, that particular statement, and that's kind of a defining statement of like a lot of what we do with all yeah. things, all people. Yeah. Why do you think people close their eyes to it or, or, you know, put their, their hands over their ears and just <laughs> yeah. not, you know, and, and are a little hesitant about learning about other, other faiths yeah. and worldviews. Yeah. I had on, on my show, I had Dr. Travis Currens, who is a professor at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he actually leads this program there. And I think he calls it the Great Commission Apologetics, which mm. I like a lot. Mm-hmm. And I asked him the same question because like, he's an expert in the evangelical world on the Latter-day Saints. Yeah. It's very rare that like, you find another person that kind of has the same passion of world religions. And um, so I asked him, I was like, Hey, how come there aren't more of us? Mm-hmm. Why aren't there more people who are kind of like sounding the bell of like, Hey, we need to understand these people. We need to reach these people and to understand and reach them. You need to, you know, talk to them and like mm-hmm. learn about them. And basically his answer, which I like was cause it seems weird. Like people yeah. don't like weird things. And really when you begin to talk about different religious beliefs, is you really get into some stuff that like is going to freak people out. And so I think that that's a catalyst, at least like culturally, like if you go into a Hindu temple, if you go to a mosque, 
if you go somewhere, right, mm-hmm. you are going to be uncomfortable and you will certainly find things that you think are just weird. And yeah. Um, yeah. so there's that. So it's human nature, but then also too, from more of the Christian side is we've kind of bought into a form of Christian life, which doesn't allow the room for us to engage with people who believe differently than us. Mm-hmm. And so the only people that we are quote unquote allowed to engage with that believe differently than us are the ones who are already like sort of interested in Christianity. Mm. And so like the people who come to your church, same thing. I'm not promoting my show here, but I had Mm -hmm. Sam Chan on the show and Sam Chan is this amazing evangelist from Australia. And he told the story about how when he was young, he went to a Billy Graham crusade when he came through Australia. And there's this very famous line that Billy Graham used to use where he would say, come and pray to receive Christ. And then he would say, the buses will wait. And Sam said, it clicked that all of these non-believers came on church buses. Mm. And he was like, that wouldn't happen today. Mm-hmm. We, we used to live in a culture where non-believers would go to church. They'd play, they'd send their kids to Awanas. They'd play upward basket. I'm naming all these things that are like really Baptist, but like <laughs> they, they'd send their kids to youth group and, and that yeah. still happens, but not as much, right? Yeah, we have more of definitely. a bifurcation between Christian and non-Christian in our society. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the reason why a lot of Christians, like, even if they have a hesitancy or or they don't is the reason why they don't engage is because like, they've never been given permission to. And then on top of that, the cherry on top is they don't know how. Yeah. And so, so yeah, I think that the first thing is just understanding that it's a necessity um, that they're not going to come play on our basketball teams as, as much anymore. Right. And even more so they have their own basketball teams. Like right, right. there's other parts of our culture that we, we just, we don't have a footing in. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a call to go being involved and engaged with a part of the society that previously Christians just really hadn't engaged with before. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. No, I, I a hundred percent agree with that. And I remember we were being encouraged to invite someone to church. Mm-hmm. And he asked me, you know, cause I was saying, I'm just kind of discouraged. Cause like, I feel like I've invited people, but like, I'm not really getting the response that I want. And he was like, well, it's foreign to them. If you were invited into a Sikh temple or you mm-hmm. were invited into a, a mosque, would you be uncomfortable? Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Oh yeah, I guess I would. And like, I've yeah. been in those spaces and I was a little bit uncomfortable because it was unknown. I mean, mm-hmm. it was fascinating and the people were lovely, but yeah. it's unknown. And yeah. so there's kind of that, I think, I think you're right. There's this bit of unknown for people walking into our spaces. Um, and so you almost have to start yeah. engaging outwardly more, more so. Oh yeah. Yeah. We absolutely have to use empathy. Yeah. You know, like you mentioned, like a Sikh temple, we don't understand that a lot of times our churches are not just a reflection of, of our faith, but also a reflection of our culture. That's right. And there's so much about our churches that really, I mean, not to say that they're unbiblical, but a lot of things we do are not inherent to Christianity. And yeah. so when you invite like an Indian immigrant to your church and you have flashing lights and a smoke machine and the lights yeah. are super dim they don't yeah. know what to make of that. So, so we often 
mistake that as like, oh, they're hesitant about Christianity. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, they're hesitant about you. Like mm-hmm. they're hesitant about like, what is all of this? You know, yeah. oftentimes it's becoming more and more the case that it's like, like you mentioned the word relationship is like the best thing you can do is like not invite them to church at first mm-hmm. because there's going to be a lot of cultural barriers at church yeah. or at your small group or, you know, something like that. The best thing is just like learn them, yeah. you know, and yeah. let them learn you. I love that. And then let the, let the other stuff, let the smoke machines and lights come later. Like when I travel in South Asia, I mean, like, we don't even think about this, but like my Bible's sitting over on this other table, you know, I'd be getting ready to preach or something. And I'd put my Bible on the floor and this is Christians. Like we're not talking about Hindus or, mm-hmm. but like within their cultural mindset, that's, you're really disgraceful. Yeah. And so kind of like if, if, if somebody's listening to this interview and they're like, I really want to start ministering to X, whatever group or whatever person is the question then becomes, are you willing to change some of the less vital aspects of your culture and even adopt some of the aspects of their culture that are secondary, you know, put making sure you never put the Bible on the floor. Like, and we as Christians and especially Western Christians in a very free society often rely on grace and liberty to say, it's not a problem if I put the Bible on the floor and you say, but it's a problem for them. Yeah. And so, and that's the thing It's like, you know, and that that's even more of a innate going back to your initial question of like, why don't we do it mm-hmm. is like, I think a lot of times we, we play that game of chess in our head where we go, where is this going to lead us? Like, well, you think it's uncomfortable to sit in a mosque. What's more uncomfortable is to disciple or discuss things about Christianity that you don't want to answer to yeah. or having to change parts of your life. You know, like I should be able to put the Bible on, mm-hmm. on the chair, you know, instead of the table or something like that. And so mm-hmm. it takes a lot of humility in diminishing, killing the ego in a lot of ways. Yeah, definitely. Well, I would love to kind of go into that, into that relationship a bit more when we're dialoguing with other people of different faiths. We've talked about a little bit about empathy and even mm-hmm. curiosity. Is there anything else that you would say to us if we're starting to kind of dialogue with people yeah. who think very differently than us? What are some things to kind of keep in mind, especially when we're starting to kind of introduce our own as well? Yeah. I want to kind of go yeah. just the full spectrum there. Yeah. So, I mean, two things come to my mind. One is um, listen, like listen and pay attention. Mm-hmm. I, I tell people all the time as I've mentioned, like I pastor in a small town mm-hmm. and I, I grew up in a big town. And so it's easy for people that I'm around to hear all the time, you know, it's predominantly white. Right. And so people all the time will say, we don't have anybody here who like is Hindu or something like that. Right. And I tell them, I say, even in my small town, like pretty much all the convenience stores and gas stations are run by Indians or Pakistanis. But the problem is, is that you just never notice, like yeah. you, you go yeah. to the same gas station every day or once a week and you pay the same person every day. But for some reason, we just don't notice them. And the first thing is just pay attention to them and like, ask like, Hey, are you from India? Mm-hmm. And, and that's not an awkward question. Like we, in our culture, like we don't like questions like that, but once again, let's use empathy. This person's probably lived here for 10 or 20 years and can count on one hand, the number of people who have taken interest in them and their right, culture, right, their yeah. entire life since they've been here is adapting and changing to meet your culture so that they can sell That's right. things at their convenience store without offending people. Mm-hmm. And so they likely don't listen to their music over the loudspeaker in the gas station. Um, they don't cook their food and put it out. They cook your food and put it out. Mm-hmm. And so if you just say like, Hey, are, where are you from? And they say, India, Pakistan, like, even if you've never been, you can be like, oh, that's super interesting. Like, and then, you know, that's what, how it started with me is like mm-hmm. the kid who was in my, my, um, he was my assistant. I, I said, Hey, I've never eaten Indian food. He's like, oh, it's great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I said, can your mom cook? 
And he, he was like, yeah, she's a really good cook. And I was like, tell her I'd love for her to cook, you know? And that's like, you know, in, in American culture, that's like almost rude. That's like a huge compliment in South Asian culture. Yeah. It's like, I yeah. would love for you to cook for me. And so there's that. But then the other thing is like, if you read a book on Islam, mm-hmm. you know, or even listen to like stuff that I put out, you know, mm-hmm. don't project what that book says or what I yeah. say that Muslim believes onto that Muslim, because not only is there varied belief in Islam and every religion, but then also just you never want to assume that you have that person nailed down just because you read a book about them and mm-hmm. because ultimately the book's not about them. And so, so yeah, like, like ask really good questions, like just like exhaust them. I mean, and this is not, this is over a period of time, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. like, what do you believe happens after you die? Mm-hmm. Um, like, where do you believe we all came from? Like, you know, things like that. And then just, yeah, just listen, like, don't assume that you know something about them. And then also too, and this is like something I keep in mind because pretty much every gas station attendant in my county I'm friends with, like I routinely go in and buy candy or something, you know, just like to, mm-hmm. to for a chance like to that. talk to them. Mm-hmm. But I'm to the point now where I have to not make my friendship with them just about the fact that they're Hindu, like right. ask about them. Like they've lived here. Like the guy, I have a gas station right across the street from my house. So I go in there all the time. And mm-hmm. me and the guys there are friends. And I have to routinely remind myself, like, don't always talk about India. They've lived here for 20 years. Like, <laughs> yeah. and so there's that too. Like they're yeah. they're more than their their religion, their faith, and and whatnot. So so yeah, listen. Mm-hmm. Don't assume that you know exactly what they believe because you listened to base camp or you read a book and then like be friends, you know, like if you and I got to know each other really well and became friends, like we wouldn't just talk about podcasting. Yeah, Um, that's right. Yeah. And none of those things are easy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like those are all hard. And sometimes I think people are disappointed that it's not more like a Buzzfeed article of just like, if you do these five things, they'll come to Christ. And it's like, no, like, I mean, it's just most things in life that are worth doing are not easy or simple. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I feel like a lot of times, especially in Canadian culture, and it might be a bit different down there, but we're very hesitant to ask personal questions. If we're yeah. not closer, um, mm-hmm. we're just not like Canadians are not very direct yeah. <laughs> people at all. Yeah. And so we kind of are hesitant to ask those questions because we think that might be rude. But mm-hmm. in a lot of other cultures, they like that people are direct. They like oh, that yeah. that you're asking them a direct question because that's actually more polite than it is to kind of like weave around, you know. Yeah. And so I think just as an encouragement to people, I think that they really they do really appreciate, especially if they grew up in that culture, they're yeah. gonna really appreciate the directness that yeah. we're maybe not as accustomed to. Yeah. So <laughs> no question. I mean, and that's that's the other thing too, is like I grew up in a Midwestern culture which I'd, I'd assume is somewhat similar to Canadian culture. And like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the idea of like going into some of the restaurants that my dad delivered stuff to and asking like the 70 year old Italian guy, like, Hey, what do you believe happens after you die? Like he would have verbally assaulted me, you know? And, um, cause like, we're just very private. I mean, mm-hmm. the, 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 we're very private and, and I'm a very private individual, but not only are other cultures different, but yeah, just like I said, just keep in mind, like, man, you, you can even cut through a little bit of that, even if somebody is private, just by the fact that like, okay, here's the first thing, right? By all accounts, do not start with some of those deep questions. Ask mm-hmm. them their name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, bet you no one has ever asked their name Yeah, or very few. And yeah. we like to think, especially if you live in a very, like I live in the Bible Belt, like we like to think, I don't need to share the gospel with this person because somebody else already has. And it's like, I bet you $20 
right. nobody has. And, yeah. and I bet you even more that, you know, if you learn their name and every single time you go in there, mm-hmm. let's say his name's VJ, right? Very mm-hmm. common uh, Indian name. And you go in there every single day, VJ, what's up, man? You will become that guy's best friend. Yeah. Like, it, it, and so the question of like, oh, we need relationship. There it is. Yeah. And a lot of times Christian use that as an excuse to not evangelize. We need a relationship. I go, well, what about the person who doesn't have a relationship with a Christian? Mm-hmm. And then also like, what does that mean? You got to be friends for three years or you have to, you know, share meals with them. It's like, no, for you to be the friendliest white dude that goes into that guy's gas station, we've lowered the bar by how bad our hospitality is to these mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And we're using this particular subset of people as an example, but like, yeah, they are ignored to such a degree by so many people in our culture. And they're in a, maybe you're from a more metropolitan area like Edmonton. They have such a tight knit community yeah. of just Indians or just, you know, maybe Pakistanis or Saudi Arabians or whatever, mm-hmm. that the mere fact that you're expressing interest is kind of like surprising to them. And so, so yeah, I don't feel like to a listener that says like, yeah, that's really personal. Like, don't start with that kind of stuff. Just start Mm -hmm. with names. Mm -hmm. Start with like, Hey, do you have any kids? Mm -hmm. For sure. And and that'll be, that'll be a great first start. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about people who maybe grew up in our culture Mm-hmm. who maybe claim to follow Christ, but mm-hmm. I would not necessarily consider exclusively Christian, yeah, like a Latter-day Saint or yeah, Jehovah's yeah. Witness. Mm-hmm. I know in my own conversations with those who, in particular, who are LDS, there's been a lot of language that is really, really similar when mm-hmm. we're talking, but I know that we're not talking about the same things yeah. necessarily. And so I guess my question is, what do you think we need to know about our own faith when we're speaking mm-hmm. to those who follow doctrine that includes Christ, yeah. but I would not necessarily consider them a Christian. <laughs> well, you're being really nice. I mean, they aren't, <laughs> they're, they're not. you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Latter-day Saints yeah. and Jehovah's Witnesses specifically. Um, and I know why you're being nice. If we can avoid offending somebody, like I appreciate you said LDS, like, mm-hmm. like the church Latter-day Saints has recently said like, Hey, we're not Mormons anymore. We're Latter-day yeah. Saints. Yeah. I should clarify. And so yeah. I, I tell people all the time, I, I'm like, yeah. I'm just going to go with that then because I'm like, what is it worth to me, you know, to mess up the name that they want to be called? But yeah, um, yeah. I would say, I mean, while it is nice, if you could have an operative knowledge about like, you know, the book of Mormon and doctrines and covenants and the Pearl of Great Price, or in the case of Jehovah's Witnesses, the intricacies of the differences in the New World Translation, that would be great. But mm-hmm. that's not realistic. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of like, this is where we're at as a culture, Christian wise that says so much about us in such a kind of a negative way. And I hate mm-hmm. to be negative, but you should know what you, who you believe Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And I find that that's actually one of the biggest problems. And that's why, like you mentioned, there's so many words and things that are similar yeah. when you're talking to a Latter-day Saint and you're right. Like they are very different and it's difficult, yeah. but it's important to understand that oftentimes you'll be talking and it'll seem similar, mm-hmm. but you can tell. And I think maybe just from like you knowing that we don't believe the same thing mm-hmm. that makes you cautious. Well, the reality is like most people, unfortunately, are not able to perceive those differences, but they're also going back to even the last part of our conversation. They don't want to be rude. Yeah. They don't want to be rude to ask like, so you said you believe in Jesus. What does that mean? Yeah. And so I would just say that the first start, and maybe this is kind of like the first step in anything when it comes to like, say somebody says, I want to really learn about other religions. 
mm-hmm. is just start with the person of Jesus and really what do you believe about him? You know, mm-hmm. because in the case of Latter-day Saints, I mean, so Latter-day Saints believe that Jesus is a created being. They believe God, the father is a created being. Mm -hmm. And so there's boom, right? Like, what does it matter what you believe about the atonement? If Jesus isn't God, you know, Jehovah's witnesses believe that uh, Jesus is essentially like a demigod, like he's a lesser God. And in the new world translation, John one says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was a God. Mm -hmm. And so I think you need to kind of understand like, a, what is it that we believe yeah. and why? Why does it matter that Jesus can't just be a God? He yeah. has to be, you know, Yahweh. He has to be God of all gods. And mm-hmm. um, and so, yeah, so that that's probably just the first initial start before you really start getting into the nitty gritty of like, okay, well, let's talk about, you know, the temples and Latter-day Saints. Yeah. And let's talk about kingdom halls and all those things. Like people want to start with the intricacies. They, when they're talking about Catholicism, they want to start with Mary. And it's like, that's really actually not the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And so when we're talking about, um, and not that Catholics, I should clarify, not that they're in that same boat with yeah, Jehovah's Witnesses sure. and, and LDS, sure. but but yeah, it's just like, we like to start with the intricacies because those are the most interesting. Mm-hmm. But the most important are the ones that, like you said, can hide in a conversation and you might not know that they're there. Mm-hmm. Um, those That's kind of what we should start with. And the best way to start is to know what you believe about those. Mm-hmm. Um because what good is it to question a Latter-day Saint on your doorstep about what he believes about Jesus if you don't know what you believe about Jesus? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. We had kind of an ongoing relationship. I think it was for about a year where we had, you know, the first set of LDS missionaries come into our yeah. home and we had a conversation mm-hmm. and and it was great. We started a great relationship. They're my Facebook friends. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> But we continued seeing kind of the new group that would come in every time. And because they switch out, like, I think it's every six weeks or something, it's very quick. So Mm -hmm. we would see them like two or three times before they would switch, uh, or at least one of them would. And we got kind of more and more concise about, okay, this is what we understand that you believe. Because I'm going to say this, what you believe, but this is what we understand Mm -hmm. that you believe. This is what we believe. This is, there's the difference. We believe Mm -hmm. in a different Jesus. Yeah. And it got easier and easier to kind of pick up on the little differences, but it took a little bit of time. And I know when we even talked about, like you mentioned the word atonement, mm-hmm. that word was something that we very much differed on, even yeah. though we might be able to use it in the same sentence, mm-hmm. but have it mean something completely, completely yeah. different. Um, yeah. And I think one of the things that I found, and I would love if you would comment on this, Jeremy, is that mm-hmm. I found that it wasn't necessarily fruitful to compare scriptures to be like, this is what our scripture says versus Mm -hmm. this is what your scripture says. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because there are slight differences and they're also using extra texts than we are. Mm -hmm. So how do you find that? Is this something where we can kind of be like talking in a more general sense or should we getting into the nitty gritty of the scriptures? What do you think? Yeah. Well, I guess it depends, first of all, on how comfortable are you with the scriptures. I find that, sure, yeah, you know, some people who, you know, don't spend any time in their Bible at all, all of a sudden become Bible scholars when a <laughs> LDS shows up on their doorstep. Right. And that really comes more from pride than anything. Yeah. I think it's best to start more generally. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, you know, start with something just like, what, who do you believe Jesus was? Mm-hmm. Because if you let them drive the conversation to some more obscure passage of James that you're not familiar with at all, 
then you are going to get frustrated. You're going to feel sort of like, am I getting out foxed here? And mm-hmm. it's just, it starts turning into like, I'm trying to win. Mm-hmm. But if you just say, what do you believe about Jesus? And, and you, and you ask good questions, like you say, okay, so you said that, yeah, he atoned. So like, do you believe? Cause what I believe is that completely by, by faith, um, I don't have to work for my salvation. There's nothing I have to do for my salvation. Yeah. They have to answer if they're being genuine, which I'll give them the credit that they genuinely believe what, what they're saying they believe that they're going to say, well, I mean, yeah, we believe that we're saved by faith and grace, but yeah, you have to be baptized in the temple. You mm-hmm. have to be, you know, go through a temple endowment and all these things. So ask good questions. The problem with making it about the scriptures, like you mentioned, one is in the case of the Latter-day Saints, they have three extra scriptures mm-hmm. and we don't know much about them, right? Most Christians don't walk around with an operative knowledge about the LDS canon. Yeah. So there's that, but then also moving more so to Jehovah's Witnesses, it begins to get into like some stuff that like, I don't feel comfortable talking about as far as like Mm. textual analysis and Greek and Hebrew and manuscripts. And they are very, very well trained to present that information in such a way that it seems foolproof. Mm. And so when you're sitting on your, your couch and you're trying to be hospitable and you say, well, I don't believe what you have to say because the new world translation is wrong. And they go, well, that's funny. You should say that. And, and they mm. start telling you about why their manuscript analysis is better and how Charles Taze Russell was correct when he said that the one true name of God is Jehovah and all these things. And it's sort of like, yeah, you could just repeat what you've heard people like me say, mm-hmm. but that's not going to get you very far. And so I just think it's best to start generally. And then, you know, I, I love to hear like what you and, and your family do, but like the, the follow-up is great because mm-hmm. what the follow-up say, Hey, would you come back and let's hang out again? What it allows you to do is to begin to get more into the scriptures, into the nitty gritty with adequate preparation and yeah. not that you're going back and like, you know, I got to figure out a way to win this argument, but yeah. they're going to sit and say like, so what do you think about the fact that your Bible is corrupt? Maybe somebody who's listening is like, I'm a teacher, you know, it's like, I, I teach 40, 50 hours a week. I'm not sitting and yeah. reading the Greek manuscripts. Well, you can go to gospel coalition and they have all that information available for you in a really easy to understand way that you could print that off and slide that across to them the Mm -hmm. next time you meet. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we think apologetics and evangelism happens on the doorstep. And then you tell them that you disagree with what they believe and that they're going to hell. And then that they leave and you never see them again. And I'm like, that's really not the most effective way to do it. Mm -hmm. And so, so yeah, start more generally and migrate to more specifics as you're able to follow up. And then also a lot of times realize in the case of Jehovah's Witnesses and Latter-day Saints, you know, I don't know what it's like in Edmonton, but here in the Bible Belt, they they have most doors just slammed in their face. Yeah. And so be the Christian who doesn't slam the door in their face. Yeah, exactly. Because that's going to speak more loudly at first than your theology will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's to me probably some of the best ways to approach them in my opinion, and just learn to share the gospel, share the gospel with them the same way you would anybody else. Um, Mm -hmm. But if you don't know how to share the gospel, that's probably a good place to start. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. Well, we're, we're running a a little shorter on time. I would love to keep going on and talking about this because I just find it so interesting, (laughs) but I do want to end with just an encouragement for somebody before we get to our, you know, our final questions. Yeah. Just an encouragement for someone who is listening and is like, you know, I know someone of a different faith and I mm-hmm. want to get to know where they're coming from or, or they're just, you know, they just have an interest in this. What would you give as that encouragement for someone who's just getting started? Yeah. You know, it's, it's tough. I have people ask me that 
all the time. Mm-hmm. And I sort of have to remember that, like, I look at this one way, you know, as it's sort of become like my life. Mm-hmm. But if you're just saying like somebody who has a friend who's, you know, a Latter-day Saint or Jehovah's Witness or just doesn't believe the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. We characterize some people as being part of world religions. And then there's a group of people that just aren't Christian, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it doesn't matter if they're Hindu, atheist, Wicca, whatever. Right. But if you have somebody that you want to reach with the gospel, this is great. Cause you're a podcaster. And I remember when I started podcasting, you know, I'm a big researcher and, and so like, I just, I just read and watch every video on like how to do podcast interviews. And right. I remember reading somebody say, you are only interesting as you are interested. Mm-hmm. And so you've done a great job interviewing me today. And part of it is because like, you actually want to hear what I have to say. Yeah. So I think that when we talk about our friends or our family, or just the person who we work with, they don't have a relationship with Christ. And we'd like to see them have a relationship with Christ. I think the first start is give yourself permission to be interested in them, mm-hmm. find out more about them. And if you're given the opportunity to bring that relationship to a deep enough level to where you are actually navigating some of the more mysterious aspects of faith and belief with them is begin to just figure out like, why aren't they a Christian? You know, mm-hmm. maybe it's a cultural thing. Maybe they're not from here. They've never had the gospel shared with them. Maybe there's some church hurt. Maybe there's, maybe they have a really unfavorable opinion of, of Christians. I was just recently as part of our base camp series, I was just recently like in a Wicca shop mm-hmm. and we were talking to this lady. And I kind of said, you know, hey, we wanted to come just talk to you guys because, you know, I can read a book about it, but I'd rather my opinion be formed by you, by an actual, you know, practitioner of this. And then I kind of said, and it was just preemptively assuming that she probably had had some bad experiences with Christians, just saying like, just like how I don't want you to form your opinion of me off of bad experiences you had with other Christians. And so- yeah. yeah. Figure out why they aren't a Christian. And then, you know, as you ascertain that information, just start there and figure out, okay, okay what is it they believe? But I, I mean, they're genuinely like, I don't care if it's a Hindu. I don't care if it's a Muslim. I don't care if it's an atheist. If it's a nominal Christian, there's really no substitute for generosity, love, hospitality, things like that. And just start there. Yeah. The other stuff, the more detailed stuff of like what a Muslims believe, like you can go find resources for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the the first thing is just like, you know, be interested in them. Yeah, I love that so much. Thank you so much for coming on here to talk about all this. Mm -hmm. I want to kind of wrap up with just a few questions that we like to ask people. What are some resources that you would recommend to us about this topic? And I would, you know, I'm just going to direct it again. I'd love if you tell us more about Basecamp because I think it's such a great resource. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. So, yeah, I mean, one is, I mean, obviously all things, all people. Mm -hmm. Um, We have resources on our website for just the basics of religions. And so like, cause like I get questions like what do Muslims believe? Like people ask me that all the time Mm -hmm. and I'm like, you know, it's been around for 1500 years. I can't, I don't know what to explain (laughs) to you, you know, but um, so there's that. And then base camp. Yeah. Is a new thing that we've started in the last few months, which is me and the two guys, they're two of my best friends, but they also sort of help me with ATAP right now. It's about once a month. We've been on a hiatus for the last few weeks, go somewhere. And so like we, we went to the church of Scientology, Atlanta, we mm-hmm. visited Hindus and Hindu temples. Um, we just recently, as I mentioned, went and visited uh, quite a few like metaphysical new age Wicca shops and things like that. Yeah. And, and we sit down and re- we record a conversation based around that for the practices of like teaching what those various groups believe, but then also just like sharing our stories because we want mm-hmm. people to see that like, Hey, we, we survived unscathed. Yeah. But then as far as other resources go, 
one of the ones that people are most fascinated with is like cults and stuff like that. There's um, a guy who passed away, but his name's Walter Martin. And he wrote a book called the kingdom of the cults mm-hmm. and, uh, and another mm-hmm. book that I think was actually written posthumously by his uh, daughter, I think, which is called the kingdom of the occult. Mm-hmm. And I really like Walter Martin. I think he gets to the point, very good information. Um, it's certainly a polemic. It's certainly like he's railing against these groups. And so if you're a little bit more congenial, you might it's at times feel like he's being unfair, but I think his content's great. I mentioned gospel coalition. Mm-hmm. You know, whether somebody's as reformed as Tim Keller, uh, you might not like the gospel coalition, but they mm-hmm. have really phenomenal content specifically. They have this series and it's like things you should know. And it's like, if you type in on their website, like Jehovah's witnesses, Mormons, pretty much any group, it'll come up with this article. And it's like nine things you should know about Jehovah's witnesses. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's a, like, sometimes I even use that. Like if I'm in a situation where like, I'm going to be talking about Jehovah's witnesses, like I'll look at my content that I've developed over the years, but then I also might just look at the gospel coalition stuff too. Yeah, um, yeah. And they're really good. And then within each particular group, you know, there's tons and tons of great work about people studying um, Islam, all these various groups. Islam is another big one that people are very curious about. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a guy on my show, um, Andy Bannister. He's an apologist out of the UK. I love Andy Bannister. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's great. And, um, and he's an Islamic scholar, and so while he does a lot of general apologetics, he's, he's very focused in the study of Islam. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so in all honesty too, I like pointing people in those directions. If anybody ever has questions about some vague group, while we don't always have the ability to help everybody, like if somebody just wants resources on a particular topic, they can message us and, yeah. and we'll point them in as best a direction as we can. Awesome. Awesome. Fabulous. Okay. So the next question is what is a spiritual practice or discipline yeah. that has been really life-giving for you right now? So this is, this is kind of funny to give away a little bit of your secret sauce. I, I knew you were going to ask me that question. And I'm very <laughs> glad that I knew because while I'm pretty good at talking, I was like, gosh, man, if she had just asked me that without any prior knowledge, I think I would have struggled. So here's a weird one. I am constantly talking, just constantly talking. <laughs> mm-hmm. If it's into a microphone, if it's teaching a class at my church, university, recording something, writing something, and here lately just walking and doing nothing. And weirdly enough, and it's going to sound like the most white American thing. um, I do enjoy golfing quite a bit. And so I will go golfing and just by myself. And it's just very much my excuse to just shut up and just listen to God. (laughs) And sometimes just not even, I mean, honestly, I don't want to be super spiritual. It's not always just prayer. Yeah. Like there's a lot to be said for just being quiet. And, um, you know, so my Bible reading, of course, is, is, you know, you can't replace that. You can't replace prayer. You can't replace all these things. But for me, if there's somebody like me out there listening, who just feels like they're constantly pouring out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's silence and quiet and rest in a Western culture where we value ourselves based off of what we got done that day, like taking an hour and just not being productive, but also not being lazy either. That's mm-hmm. one thing I tell people, like, don't be lazy. Um, be leisurely, mm-hmm. um, you know, mm-hmm. actually, you know what, sometimes you can be lazy. For, I mean, that that's perfectly fine, but <laughs> the silence thing has been big for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I also have tried to adapt a little bit of that into my morning, even if it's just like five minutes of just yeah. sitting there <laughs> with my coffee and listening and being quiet. Now it's yeah. so, so life-giving. I agree. Huge. All right. If you could assign one piece of homework mm-hmm. to my listeners, yeah. what would it be? So it'd be easy for me to say, go read something or Mm -hmm. listen to something or go listen to my show. (laughs) But honestly, the thing that I I would just love to see more Christians do 
is like identify one person that you see at least once a week, but you've never introduced yourself to. Mm. That doesn't have to be a Hindu, like convenience store owner, yeah, yeah. but just there's someone in your life that you give money to, or you, you know, swipe a card. If you get into an office building, mm -hmm. there's a security guard, there's a convenience store worker. There's um, a parent that somehow, like, I don't know, I feel like when I drop my kid off in the morning, I see the same parents every single time. Totally. Um, introduce yourself to one of them this week, you know, just, and mm -hmm. just be like, Hey, I see you all the time. And I've, and I, I, I think it's crazy that I've never introduced myself. My name's Jeremy mm -hmm. and just see what happens. It might be yeah. awkward. In fact, it probably will be awkward, but yeah. I really feel like God really desires us to grow. And oftentimes that happens when we're uncomfortable. Like you can't, you can't yeah. grow if you're constantly comfortable. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that would probably be it. And then after that, go listen to Basecamp. <laughs> Good one too. Yeah. Okay. And lastly, is there anything else that you would like to share with my listeners about, about anything that we mentioned today? Yeah. I mean, I think it's great. Like I, I really appreciate what you do with the show and I think that just be interested mm -hmm. in the context of my church. I'm around people all the time who, you know, my flesh wants me to tell them to do exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. But I think just the best encouragement I can give most people, most Christians is like, if there's a, if there's a little bit of a glimmer in your eye for something or someone like, just assume that maybe God's telling you to go be that. interested in that thing mm -hmm. and make margin in your life for being interested in things and, yeah. and learning about them and don't turn everything into a side hustle. Don't turn everything into an Etsy shop. <laughs> and I know that you and I are horrible hypocrites about that because we yeah, both have definitely. podcasts, but, um, <laughs> but that's what I would say. It's just like, it's okay to just be interested in people and things and just, you know, learn. And, yeah. and that's, yeah, that's the biggest thing for me. Oh, well, I, I appreciate this conversation so much. I've just been dying to have a conversation like this on here for, for the last year. Um, so I just really appreciate everything that you brought. And I just feel like there's so much that we can learn about being gracious and sharing how we're sharing our faith and in having empathy for others. I just feel like you communicate all that so well. So thank you so much, Jeremy. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me, Leo. It was great. Thank you so much to Jeremy for coming on the show with me. Trust me, you do not want to miss an episode of his show, All Things All People. Their base camp episodes are so interesting and they really do humanize groups of people that we may never have spoken to or never interacted with. And I really love everything that they do. Go check them out on your favorite podcast player or through the link in our show notes. Next week, as promised, you're going to hear from me. <laughs> I'm going to be giving you some updates and sharing some of the highlights of the series for me. It'll be a really short and sweet episode with some really good fun sprinkled in there. So make sure that you do not miss that episode. Follow us on your favorite podcast player so that you don't miss a thing. If you want to catch me on the socials, you can find me at leah.remble or at faithschoolpod on Instagram. I'm happy to continue serving you on those platforms. Thank you for spending a little time with us today at Faith School and I68 Ministries. We are praying that you feel fully surrendered today to the God who made you, loves you, and wants to partner with you class is now dismissed, go out there and reveal his kingdom.